Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we have an especially attractive program for you, something that we are all interested in but may have difficulties in expressing because of the ways we were brought up. We're going to talk about sex. Sexual feelings are unpredictable, confusing, and many times hard to control. And some of us are lucky enough to grow up in families that helped us to accept our sexual feelings as natural phenomena that come and go. Um, We may also have learned that sexual feelings and sexual behavior are very two very different things. We have little or no control over our feelings, but we have full control over our behavior. And probably, though most of us have experienced uh, what we might call emotional expression suppression in our upbringing. And this means that uh, our families or our religion or schools may have taught us that sexual feelings must be suppressed. And today we know something about this type of what is called emotional suppression and that it can cause problems both emotionally and physically later in life. So today we're going to get the chance to uh, talk with an expert, Ashlyn Curtin. Ashlyn is a counseling psychologist and the director of ACT Now Ireland. She has a special interest in, in looking at sexuality from an ACT lens, and she has led many workshops uh, nationally and internationally. Her new blog is called Let's Talk About Sex. And that will start in April uh, 2013. The best way to keep up to date with the blog and upcoming events is through the Act Now Ireland Facebook page. And you can click on, find this page by clicking on Ashlyn's name in this week's program on webtalkradio.net. Remember that Act has three parts. Opening up to experiences, and in this case, this what might mean allowing yourself to experience any sexual feeling that crops up. The second part of ACT is becoming aware of the true nature of what physical sensations are and what thoughts are and how they come and go while you are the observer of this phenomena. And the third part of ACT is engaging in what we call valued action. I want to welcome you, Ashlyn. Thank you, Joanne. I, I know that you are uh, waiting to go to Reno, Nevada tomorrow morning. I sure am. I've just booked my taxi for 3.55 in the morning. <laughs> oh, my God. 
So I appreciate you taking the time to to do this program with me before you leave. You are very welcome, Joanne. I'm I'm really glad and also quite nervous about being here. I suppose that this is an area that I'm tremendously interested in and is so close to my heart and at the same time it brings up huge vulnerability because whenever we talk about sex somebody who's listening will not be happy with what I'm saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and of course uh, uh, you are in Ireland and uh, mm-hmm. Ireland is dominated by the Roman Catholic Church and the, and so it's an interesting that an Irish Catholic um, woman as yourself is interested in sexual suppression and expression so what got you interested in this i guess what what got me interested in this is often the same thing that stops me from talking about this quite openly at times um like many people in an irish catholic context i guess i grew up in a home where we didn't talk about sex very openly and i suppose Casual sex and animalistic would have frequently been paired together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it always kind of got me, got me wondering, you know, why, why is it that this kind of element of ourselves is being demonized mm. so much? Um, and I thought, if I'm having this experience, how many other people are having this experience too. So do you have any examples of, I mean, we don't want to blame the, mm-hmm. the Catholic Church in particular, but <laughs> any examples of, of how this is done, this type of making associations between what you, what you call demonizing? Yeah, I, I guess we're, we're hearing things all of the time. And when you asked me about this program, I was kind of thinking how best could I kind of explain a little bit about the work that we do. And I have one person in particular I've worked with, Anne, and I think sometimes we learn true stories more so than kind of, mm-hmm. we'll do some facts and figures as well. Um, but I guess for Anne, and I suppose I really liked working with Anne because I could see many similarities and ways between how she grew up and how I grew up. And mm-hmm. some of the things that she was told growing up is that, you know, I suppose women who had sex out of wedlock or early um, were a I don't know how much I can say on radio, but not necessarily the terms that you would want to aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was kind of a, a woman's role to kind of, you know, preserve that and and kind of show to be somebody who was girlfriend material or even more importantly, wife material. Mm-hmm. And somebody who really kind of was stepping into their own sexuality and was was uh, was clear and vocal about the fact that they had sexual needs was somehow kind of inferior or less desirable um, mm. in relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that the same in it, America? Or <laughs> well, um, I was not myself brought up in a Catholic church, so I, mm-hmm. and but but I think yeah, the idea that you. Um, there was a lot of morals and of course I think there was a lot of a fear of becoming pregnant as well and mm-hmm. I know in, in my upbringing uh, s- several of my friends were uh, sent away they became pregnant um, yeah. and they were sent away to they were also Catholic and to uh, some place with nuns where the babies were taken away and it was a, a very a lot of secrecy uh, I can't imagine you know what that must have been like for them later in life to know that they had children that they knew nothing about. Absolutely. And I, I've worked with a number of people being on both sides of that and around birth certificates getting changed around dates to mm-hmm. make it not be aware that people were born out of wedlock and 
these secrets literally going on for decades. Mm-hmm. And also children not being, uh, uh, if, if they were not being Christ- christened or, and even buried outside the churchyard if yeah. they were. So there was, of course, a fear of that. Uh, absolutely and I don't think it's just the Catholic Church I think it's really kind of a set of beliefs that we maybe get overly hooked by or overly buy into and see them as very very rigid that any time when we do that um, our life can get a lot smaller mm-hmm. yeah yeah so, so so tell us Ashlyn what what kind of um, uh, problems if, if you assuming that uh, people most people probably do have this type of sexual suppression. What kind of problems yeah. would that lead to? Well, lots of different people um, kind of come to it with different things. And I, I suppose one of the things about sex is that if we're not expressing it, we feel we have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if, if we feel like we're overly expressing it, we have a problem as well. So I know there was a, an Irish study around this, and they found that over half of women and almost a third of men reported a period of at least a month and often more where they lacked interest in having sex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And almost 40% of women and uh, nearly 20% of men reported not finding sex pleasurable or enjoyable. And, you know, so people are coming to me around not maybe enjoying sex, not, not kind of seeking it having difficulty having orgasms, having different difficulty communicating. Or the others, the flip side of that is around people feeling like um, they're not being their real selves or being really connected to people in sexual relationships, feeling that almost love and connection and being the person that they want to be and engaging with somebody sexually are completely different things. Okay, so so uh, losing interest in sex... That can be one, absolutely, and, and around yeah. around shame around that. And often I find that men find that particularly um, difficult because there's this widespread piece around, you know, men always want sex. I've got an inverted commas, you know, and if, mm-hmm. if he doesn't want sex with you, he must be having sex with other people. Those are mm-hmm. things that we would frequently hear. But if we hear that almost a third of men lose interest in sex for that period of a, a month or more, That doesn't seem to me to be particularly abnormal, but people rarely talk about these things. There can be a really deep cloak of shame Mm -hmm. around admitting admitting Mm -hmm. this. So we've talked about sex in general, but what about um, bisexuality or homosexuality? What? Yeah, I would have a number of people who would come to me around homosexuality and bisexuality, and I I think it's even interesting how we kind of go into those kind of categories around. Mm heterosexuality, homosexuality, bisexuality, transgender. And if we look at the work of Kenzie, it, it would he would really suggest that things are more on a continuum, that there are very few of us that are completely homosexual or completely heterosexual. Most of us lie somewhere in between. Yet we live in a world that really likes to categorize. But I guess when, when I've worked with people um, in terms of homosexuality and bisexuality, a lot of people kind of have difficulty around sharing this or feeling like they might be um, stigmatized against in in workplaces and that. And also around, um, particularly when I've worked with males um, from the who who are coming around kind of homosexuality, kind of, I suppose, <laughs> worrying. 
I'm trying to even put this into the correct words, but kind of feeling like, okay, if we're two men in this, we should be kind of up for anything, basically, and really almost feeling like they're not a proper gay man if they're not up for everything that's on the card, you know, um, without going into too much explicit details, that that can be a really difficult thing, feeling like there are these certain demands mm. if, I, if I'm with somebody of, of the same sex. And around kind of bisexuality, what I find particularly with a lot of bisexual women that I work with, almost feeling like with men, it almost seems like they're just trying to turn men on. There's this big drive towards um, like watching lesbian um, pornographic scenes. So almost men feel if, if, if you're bisexual, you're just doing that to turn them on anyways. And then what they find is when they when they want to meet a female partner, that often people are like, well, you're not really a lesbian. So you're kind of falling mm -hmm. short of the mark here. So mm -hmm. kind of often people feel like they're kind of falling between two stools in ways that the kind of attention that they're getting around bisexuality isn't necessarily the attention that they want. And when they when people really want to engage in a relationship in that area, kind of being told, well, you're not really a lesbian if you're if you're still attracted to men and, mm -hmm. and that. So, are you saying, if, if we were to summarize um, mm -hmm. what you're saying, Ashlyn, would that would you are you saying that that when when people tend to categorize you when you are in you self stigmatized categories as well, that uh, these rules about how you should or shouldn't be, whether whatever they are, whatever rules, can get into the way of of your actually experience your own sexuality. Absolutely, that we can absolutely just yeah. Whenever we can put labels and we hold on to them too tightly we can really almost fit our actions so that they fit into this category rather than being a more moment-to-moment -moment conscious decision of how I want to be as a sexual being both in relation to myself and others absolutely mm -hmm. so how common are these problems Ashley? well as I was mentioning even around lacking interest in sex, we're looking at over a half or almost a third with, with men and men respectively and around finding sex pleasurable. And when you look into orgasms, you're looking at kind of pretty big numbers as well, kind of hitting up to 40% around either not being able to orgasm or feeling like people are orgasming too quickly um, and around having physical physical pain during sex as well. So there really is a huge kind of I suppose this this is a big thing, and and most people who come to see me have something kind of around looking at um, sexuality and how it affects them. And I know it, these are some of the Irish statistics, but I know in an American context, there's a recent study that shows that looking at kind of sexual desire and feeling that they're that this is really really low affects between ten and forty percent of people in an American context. So we're really looking at quite big and. These are really, as I going back to the categories that we give ourselves, when people look at the, the, I suppose the categories, maybe let's say that society gives us is probably a better way of putting it, Joanne. And then there's all these categories that we put on ourselves. Mm. We're often comparing ourselves against these unrealistic ideals of these very photoshopped pictures of people who've already been in hair and makeup for for, for five hours and then looking at our own bodies and feeling like we're falling short or that mm -hmm. it's it's very hard to see a magazine um a magazine cover that doesn't have something about sex in it. and i think that's the really interesting thing because we're both always talking about sex and we're never really talking about mm -hmm. it at mm -hmm. the same time mm -hmm. uh, what about uh, when you mentioned orgasm uh mm -hmm. what uh, are there um 
a lot of a lot of rules about that as well because there, there can be would it be useful if I shared a little bit about Anne who I mentioned mm, yes, earlier who yeah. I've been working mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. so Anne who I've been working with she's in in her early 30s now and when she was a teenager she had a very difficult first time sexual experience it, it wasn't kind of necessarily physically forced but the best way that she could put it is that she felt it was kind of psychologically forced you know that she didn't really feel that she had a choice and she was around, I think around 15 at the time and it would have been a family friend who would have been more in the late teens early 20s and she grew up in a house that really sex was not spoken about openly and she really felt that she couldn't speak about it um, and if she did that it would kind of be they kind of made her fault so kind of flash forward a number of years there was a number of years where she didn't even want to masturbate or kind of develop any kind of sexual relationship with herself because she felt that it was that it was dirty and Mm -hmm. sometime in her 20s she started kind of exploring with that but what she found was there was this initial sexual experience and then there was a number of other ones that wouldn't fit into a category as I mentioned such as as rape or a particular kind of um abusive partners but they were in some way traumatic for her and she felt that she wasn't really being very real or very connected to the people who she was with and what happened then was that she found whenever she was with a man that really the only way that she could climax her orgasm was if she visualized something Mm -hmm. very derogatory Mm -hmm. or physically abusive or psychologically abusive to her as she was having an orgasm Mm-hmm. And the thing was, when she was with these partners who saw that she was having difficulty having an orgasm, she actually got really positive responses from these partners when she started to be able to orgasm with them. Mm-hmm. But that kind of made her feel even more shameful about what it was that she needed to do in able to kind of reach that. And she really kind of kept this under wraps for a very long time. Even with with me it took her it took her a while to be able to kind of say it it was kind of moving towards it for for quite a while mm-hmm. and i think the act approach really helped her because yeah tell us what how does act approach just generally this and then tell yeah. me specifically um so so generally i suppose the act approach is really about looking at all the stories that we have around sex sexuality ourselves as a mm-hmm. sexual being and about which of these are limiting, um, which of these like are like smaller, and which of these are more connected to who we truly want to be. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot really around developing kindness and compassion towards yourself. Very likely a kindness and compassion that we did not receive at the time from others or from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really about connecting to what it is that's important. You know, how how do I want to be? In, in this area, do I want to be somebody who's open, authentic, genuine, connected? Um, or, or, or what is it that I want for myself? And, and another area that works really well, I think, from the perspective is just really around connecting more in each moment that we have as a sexual being, whether that's with another person, whether that's having a conversation like the one that we're having here and now. Am I connecting with this as somebody who's mm-hmm. who's had many of these problems myself or is it very disconnected and I'm just kind of trying to kind of mm-hmm. get through this and start packing for Reno? Yes, I am that last minute <laughs> I'm afraid to add. Um, and even just around perspective taking, one thing that we do is we often, and this happens uh, often 
more so sometimes in heterosexual couples where we feel like all women are this or all men are that. Mm -hmm. And we often can lose contact about that there's two people often in a sexual relationship Mm -hmm. and that this other person has their own vulnerabilities as well. Um, I wouldn't go straight into that. Like, let's say with Anne, we did a lot of work around kind of diffusion. So learning around these stories and learning that we don't choose what thoughts show up in our mind and we don't choose our memories. My, I, I firmly believe I do a lot of work in adult psychiatry with that uh, mm. in patients and day patients. I firmly believe that, you know, if there was just one thing that could stop us from having these unwanted thoughts and emotions and memories, we'd just be doing it. Mm. If the reality is we don't choose that, but we can choose how we relate to these thoughts when they show up. Okay, so if I um, summarize what you're saying, um, so two mm. two of the things you're taking up is one is um, looking at the rules and the categories mm. that and these these ideas we're programmed with, and seeing if they're helpful to us or not uh, yes. to have these rules, and um, and the other thing is you talked about values, and I'm thinking uh, you know we have a upcoming book uh, for Act and RFT. Or for uh, in this area, it's come mm. uh, and where we've taken up a chapter on self-compassion, yeah. and and I was th- I was wondering how this applies to you um, in this area because my way of thinking is if uh, that ever, I'm thinking from a woman's perspective <laughs> that maybe it's it's extremely important that you know yourself about your own sexuality, like maybe through masturbation or, uh, because if you don't know about yourself, it's going to be very hard for you to relate to another person sexually. Absolutely. I, I fully agree with you there, Joanne. And I think it is around knowing ourselves sexually in a physical way mm. around and that can be true to masturbation and to just learning different things that we like it might even be non-sexual touch even and seeing how that mm. can arouse us as mm. well mm. and then there's the other part which is about getting to know ourselves sexually psychologically mm-hmm. um so a lot of that is you know sometimes if i say you know what did you need in that moment is quite difficult but mm-hmm. let's say when i was working with Anne, a lot of it was around looking at these various moments where she didn't feel sexually fulfilled mm-hmm. either by herself either in relationship to somebody else or even in conversations that she was having with family and looking at kind of what were the themes and the patterns there and for her and for many, many people, the patterns were either suppressing and kind of denying that we even have that part of ourselves, mm-hmm. physically or psychologically, or the other thing was expressing in this very um, almost uh, volcano or Hollywood effect where it's kind of like, let's do everything all at once, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. and almost kind of playing out these things that she had seen kind of in 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 pornographic sites and it's not to say that that's a problem in and by itself but for her and for many people it can become one or one either sorry one or the other excuse me i'm getting all wrapped up on my words um so and this self-compassion piece was really important to really get back to what it was like to be inside in her skin in that moment and one from that then actually taking a step back Mm. and from the perspective of her looking back looking into the eyes of herself in that vulnerable moment and look, seeing what she saw you know did she see and often it was sadness or disappointment or fear of rejection and just recognizing that from an act perspective when we're having these unwanted emotions it's often because there's a reality gap so there's a discrepancy between what we have 
and what we want mm. so recognizing if we can see ask that you in that in in that past moment what is it that you need mm. and often I find that I need to ask this three times of myself or three times of my clients to really sink into that what is that it that I need and often it isn't that we need the most mind-blowing orgasm although I won't lie it's kind of nice when that happens often what we need is some kind of feeling of connection or that it's okay for me to even have this desire it's mm -hmm. it's okay do you have an exercise or that exercise that you could do with this Absolutely. I'm trying to think. Do you want me to do a short version with with you right now? Yeah. How long do we have? Um, we don't have a really long time, but I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> Maybe um, could you do it in three four minutes? I can absolutely do that in in three four minutes with you. I'll I'll keep an eye on the time here. So I like to do these true mindfulness exercises. So if you'd like to just get comfortable in your chair Joanne and for the listeners as well it's best to sit with your legs uncrossed feet against the ground and maybe even noticing if you're having thoughts or judgments around what is this did I really agree to do this on on radio with Ashling and talk about sex <laughs> or whatever it is and then just gently connecting to your breath and your breathing Noticing how your lungs expand with each in-breath is a new beginning and each out-breath is a complete letting go. And seeing even if your mind is skipping ahead and it wants to skip to the juicy parts, and that's okay. And then what I'm going to invite you to do is take both of your hands, and I'm going to do this with you, and put them in front of you and rub your hands against one another. Get some heat generated in your hands. So just kind of get in the hands, kind of just rubbing them against each other, getting some heat generated, and then placing one hand in your heart and one hand in your belly. And imagining that the, these hands represent compassion, whatever that means to you. That could be about being kind, caring, and loving. It could be around being forgiving. Whatever it means. And as you connect to yourself with compassion, See if you can also connect to a moment where you felt dissatisfied or disconnected in a sexual way. If we had time, we could look at many of them, look for a pattern. But for the purposes now, just choosing one. And as best you can, connecting to all that you can see, hear, feel physically and emotionally and to whatever thoughts are going through your mind in that moment. Noticing if these are familiar feelings, thoughts that are going through your mind. And when you're ready, I'm going to invite you to imagine that the you that is right here and right now looks into the eyes of that you in that moment of disconnection and just noticing what you can see. Do you see sadness, disappointment, resentment, shame? What do you see? And also recognizing that that you had a reality gap, an unmet need. So I'm going to invite the you that is right here and right now to ask that you in that moment of sexual vulnerability, what is it that you need? And simply listen and breathe. Resting in a knowing that right now the question is far more important than the answers 
and that often the answer comes up somewhere down the line for people. And just noticing, is there one small thing that you could do in your life to help you move closer to what it is that you need and who and where you want to be as a sexual being? And just becoming gradually aware of your body as a whole, your breath permeating throughout your body and that compassion that you're extending to yourself. And when you're ready, opening over your eyes. Well, that was a wonderful exercise, Ashlyn. That was a really short version. And I'll give you a longer version, Joanne, if any, if you or any of your listeners would like to do that more fully, I'll give you a link so that you can you can mm. put it up to your listeners. I really like that. Can you, can you explain the ACT components in that? Absolutely. Um, so really, that's a lot around compassion and it's really around acceptance leaning into how we feel usually when we feel discomfort our most automatic reaction is to push it away and when we're talking about sex that that tendency can be amplified a hundred or a thousand fold even you know we just want to push it away because sometimes when we're having this we're with somebody and we don't really want to be having this real <laughs> connected kind of peace to that emotion we just we just want to kind of hide so and most of us have some kind of conditioning around around hiding our feelings so there's a bit around leaning into our emotions with compassion and part of noticing our thoughts is just about noticing them but we don't necessarily need to buy buy into them Mm. um and there was a big piece there around what you need and linking that to values and is there one small thing that you could do so can your actions be guided by your values rather than dictated by what you think you should or or have to do and there's even a little bit in there around kind of uh, perspective taking even just taking that step back from ourselves it's I don't know if if they have the saying other places but in Ireland we say retrospective thinking is 2020 vision mm-hmm. so you know when we look back at ourselves five years ago we can really see all the things that we could have done differently so mm-hmm. this brings in a little bit of that in with a kind of nice compassionate twist mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of all of act in that and I th- I think that's it is that it's not just one part or the other. I feel that all of them kind of complement one mm-hmm. another. I really like that. And I, and I, I love to hear your compassionate voice. I'm sure the patients feel very comfortable, uh, even though this is a difficult area to talking with you. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And I even notice when I'm working one to one and when I'm working in doing workshops I'm kind of more likely to share kind of parts of my own sexual learning history I think there's part of me that's aware as a radio program that my my parents or my 83 year old nanny curtain might listen to this <laughs> <laughs> you need to know everything so if, if you ever want to hear more about my sex life come along to a workshop and you may hear <laughs> that's as cool. you have been a Joanne in, in Washington DC <laughs> Ashton we're coming to the end of a program um I'm sure that there are listeners uh, today with different sexual problems. Uh, what could you give some general advice of what they yeah. could do? Absolutely. There's no right or wrong way to do it, but what I think is usually a good place to start from is start with compassion mm-hmm. and recognizing that there, while your storyline might be different to the next person, the underlying values and vulnerabilities are probably pretty similar. Um, so starting off with compassion and and different people learn in different ways. But one thing that I think can be helpful is getting a pen and paper and just even writing down 
the thoughts that are going through your mind, the emotions that are showing up and just recognizing that these are normal and natural. And just because you have these thoughts and emotions doesn't mean that you have to let them push you around. And then on the other side of that sheet of paper, really just connecting with what your values are around being a sexual being and that, you know, the vast majority of us are in this world because of a sexual act in the first place and that that's perfectly normal and natural. And just thinking about really if you weren't struggling so much with those unwanted thoughts and emotions, how would you as a sexual being look differently, both in terms of how you connect with yourself and others sexually, physically, and also even that kind of more psychological, emotional side. And I think that's a a good place to start. That sounds good. Thank you so much for being on our program today, Ashlyn. Thank you, Joanne. Today you've been listening to Ashlyn Curtin, Ashlyn is a counseling psychologist in Ireland. Uh, she's the director of Act Now Ireland, and she has a special interest in looking at sexuality from an ACT perspective. She leads workshops nationally and internationally. She has a blog called Let's, Let's Talk About Sex, and that will start in April 2013. You can uh, find more about Ashlyn, her work, and her blog uh, by looking at Acknow Ireland Facebook page or clicking on her name on this week's program of ACT, Taking Her Dope. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website button in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. You may also see her books, The Art of Science of Valuing in Psychotherapy, Living Beyond Pain, Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy to Ease Chronic Pain, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy for Chronic Pain, Values in Action, and Epilepsy, a Behavior Medicine Approach to Assessment and Treatment in Children. All of these are found easily by clicking the cover or going to Amazon.com. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope.